Hey everybody, it is Adrian. This is Josh. And if you're listening to this right now, you've got yourself another episode of The Dirty, Dirty Rotten Rock Church, Church Kids Podcast. Podcast. Hi Adrian. Hey buddy boy, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I am pretty proud of myself because today I got to talk to my daughter. She popped the big question. So I had to explain to my four-year-old daughter how food becomes poop. <laughs> so I said she popped a big question. I was like, did she ask you to marry her? What conversation? Yeah, I'm horrible at phrasing things. I pulled up a diagram of the small intestine and the colon, and we did a science lesson. It was great. What an amazing homeschool dad you turned out to be. Well, where does poop come from? <laughs> Really, you are. This is your turn to have to deal with all the grossness. Yeah. How you been in Um, seventy million of quarantine? What do you think of my quarantine dad stash? It It is so. uh, If you guys don't follow Adrian on Instagram, uh, he posted his stash, and it is uh, Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Is that good? Sure. Um, Take that. It is, I don't know. It's just like every dad <laughs> in the church directory in the late 80s. <laughs> I got so That's bored. exactly what it is. I'm seeing people who are like shaving their heads in quarantine. Yeah. And I've done that already. Like been there, done yeah. that. And I was like, you know what I haven't done for 10 years? It's had a mustache. So <laughs> I posted something on Facebook and I was like, hey guys, like out of curiosity, is the quarantine a valid reason to bring back the dad stash asking for a friend? Mm-hmm. Most people were like, yes, do it. My wife decided to comment, who's never on Facebook, and was like, don't do it. <laughs> and so, of course, I did it because yeah. I, I'm a jackass. And uh, I uh, shaved it down or whatever. And Alyssa's like, you know, I wouldn't have noticed it if you hadn't posted about it on social media, bitching about that. Nobody complimented it enough. And she's like, but now that I see it, I really don't like it. <laughs> so I think I'm going to have to uh, let my beard grow in a little more, maybe to pad the contrast of the stash to the bit, whatever. Not, no one not very many people can pull off a mustache. You can. Thank you. I think, I, I think it's not just your stash. It's actually your jawline that lets Thank you get you. away with it. Because most that. people, when they shave their beard off, like me, my chin, this looks weird. I don't know. It's, it, I, it's, I think it's because you get used to seeing yourself a certain yeah. way for so often. Like my daughter painted my toenails. Okay. And whenever I take my socks off, I'm shocked. Like, oh, oh, they're painted. I keep I keep forgetting. So I'm not used to seeing them in bright orange. I will say that um going from a beard to a mustache is less drastic than going from a mustache to no mustache. To nothing. Yes. Yes. Your nose looks like a brand new nose. You're, you're like, whose lip is this? <laughs> whose mouth yeah. is this? Yeah. Yeah. I look so. like just a, a little Chinese boy. It's great. Yes. So, Josh, do you want to talk about what we did today? Yeah, so um, we had a great conversation with Kevin Garcia. Uh, we just finished recording that part. Um, so we're now doing the intro at the top. We want to do very respectful of their time. Um, so we don't want to bore them with our mustache and beard and, <laughs> and poo-poo talk. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. It was so good. So you guys are in for a treat. This is episode 14, which I didn't realize. Um, so yeah, I'm just really excited for this interview. I'm excited for people to hear it. Kevin drops some stupid knowledge. Yeah. Um, it was it was amazing. It was great. I'm like, 
elated. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I don't think I've ever been nervous on this show interviewing somebody. I was like genuinely nervous just because this is somebody who I just admire and respect and I've yeah. like, read their fucking book, right? So yeah. I was just like, I hope they like us. Um, but it was just a great conversation. Kevin is just a beautiful human being, an incredible person. Um, <laughs> we kind of go all over the place in true yeah. DRCK fashion. Um, we go, we talk about their book and then we talk about um, their experience. We talk about non-binary language for God. We talk about everything. Like it's, it's just a really, really good conversation. And, and you said it, you nailed it. There's more scripture quoted in this episode <laughs> than ever in any, across all 13 episodes. That's true. In totality. Yep. Kevin, Kevin. knows their shit. Like yep, brought a lot of Bible. It, it, what's crazy to me and what's so captivating about Kevin as a person is and, and I, I told them when we interviewed them, it's just they didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They still hold scripture as beautiful and powerful and have interwoven that into this new calling of being a digital pastor, of being a witch, or of being so many things. Uh, it's it's very different because most people are like, hey, fuck, I'm out. See you guys. <laughs> or most people are like, I'm digging my roots. Now I'm like ultra Calvinist. Right. I'm like when the Megazord fused with the dragon zord like it's that form from calvinism. the mega dragon zord yeah it's just too much calvinism uh, i've seen people sway both ways mm-hmm. but to see kevin so graciously sit in the middle and 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 be able to draw people to this uh message of love that is from jesus i mean it's not it's not heretical it's it's, it's a message that jesus spoke of love and acceptance and um it's just great i just Really, really good. I just can't speak enough about it. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm like coming down from like a high. <laughs> I told I told Steph, I'm like, I'm just my adrenaline's coming down. She's like, I can tell you're talking too much. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I know, I know. I like we finished up the interview, and then my son Wilder woke up crying, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, let me go in and try and rock him back down. Alyssa had put both kids down originally, and I was like, she needs a break, and I'm like sitting there rocking my kid, and it what a freaking drastic change in in my circumstances because i like my heart was like still kind of pounding i don't know it was just such a good conversation and we have both done a lot of prep just to make sure like we know we had so many good things to talk about we wanted to make sure we could cover as much as possible um so yeah so that's it uh was there anything else you wanted to throw in at the top no i think that's it the the rest of the episode covers it enjoy it i it's it's definitely long enough so you guys have plenty of time to sit in your quarantine and eat it up (laughs) Yeah. Um, but definitely give Kevin a follow on Instagram. Uh, they're always posting tarot card readings and just sure. a very crazy cornucopia of spirituality to dive into. Cornucopia of spirituality. I got that you, was, bro. Oh, That's my man. SAT Oof. word for the day. You are the perfect homeschool dad. I'm trying. <laughs> All right, everyone. Without any further ado, let's get into our interview with Kevin Garcia. Everyone, thank you guys so much for joining us. We're here with our guests for this week's episode, episode 14. Josh, our guest for this week is a digital pastor, a creative and intuitive life coach. They are an author of the book, Bad Theology Kills, which is out right now, people. They are a YouTube content creator, host of the Tiny Revolution podcast, covering topics ranging from LGBTQ plus advocacy, social justice, queer theology, and pretty much everything in between. They are the creator of Big Queer Adventure Co. They are also a damn good singer 
we'd like to welcome the one, the only, Kevin Garcia. Baby, we in them tarot's, putting out good vibes. Be a digital pastor, enlightening minds from the dirty south. Infinitely here, a self-proclaimed move by the asking. Cellulite and bringing you this healer theologian. Hey, Kevin. That was fucking <laughs> incredible. <laughs> 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 I, I played it for my wife last night. I go, Steph, just honestly tell me. She goes, Kevin is going to die. Because here's the thing. I love shit like that. And also, nothing has stroked my ego more than a theme song. And I am probably going to just like make that like the introduction to my podcast now because that's so fucking cute. It's all yours. It's all yours. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm... Uh, I feel so full right now. Good. Not, feel, not just because I ate a whole bunch of tacos, but because, like, <laughs> in the spiritual sense. Wow. Well, thanks, y'all. That was so kind. You are so welcome. We try and put together or grab a theme song, but for special folks, we try and make something. So that was our game. That was That was stupid and incredible all at the same time. I loved it. Like, <laughs> it, like that's, like, where I live is just, like, real... I love weirdo dumb shit. It was perfect. <laughs> I just want to give credit where credit is due. Um, I got that line from when Crystal was describing Alicia Keys at the BET Awards. She's like, Alicia Keys was just there being a woo-woo, vibey-ass bitch, and it was perfect. And I'm like, I think that's my gender. (laughs) You know? Uh, I want to say, Kevin, that there was a moment, though, that instead of writing this theme song, uh, and Link, I didn't tell you this, Josh, Mm -hmm. but I almost requested that your theme song be a different song. I almost requested that it be The Great Adventure by Stephen Curtis Chapman you because know, I <laughs> yes yes because I heard you on a podcast called Thoughts and Prayers and you said that was one of the first songs that you performed live is that true it is <laughs> that I love your horses, horses. <laughs> we got a trail to blaze whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 yes. yes. amazing <laughs> like There's... I'm not gonna lie like that heart like that's a really as far as like a really good melody is concerned, like catchy, that'll shit. grab a bitch, and that's like, <laughs> like, so, like, I think like he was pulling on that like musical theater aspect that people still got into, but like it's for Jesus, so it's not gay, you know? <laughs> yes, very epic, <laughs> really epic. I know. I felt like I had to be wearing like leather, like a like some sort of leather chaps and kind yeah. of like a hat. Not assless though, because if your ass is out, then people then it are wouldn't have been on you... CCM. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been more Brokeback Mountain, um, <laughs> which um, I actually didn't see till like a couple years ago. Okay. <laughs> it's but all right. It's that's all right. another story for another time. Another story. Well, listen, Kevin, we really appreciate you taking the time to chit-chat with us. It for really sure. I'm glad to be here. We have referenced your work gratuitously. Oh, way too many and- times. <laughs> it's been, we're 14 episodes in, and we have probably referenced you 
14 times. Wow. Yeah. Maybe 13 times. <laughs> so we just appreciate you so much what you do. Listen, and... I just can't wait till you deny me three times. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> there it is. There I'm it. joking. I'm joking. Dirty rotten. Oh, no, God, we, we, were, uh, we had Danny Prada on like our first episode. Yo, what a man. And we go, Danny, can you put us in contact with just anyone you know? Because he knows everyone. He goes, you have to get in contact with Kevin Garcia. And that was off to the races. Then your book came out. I devoured Bad Theology Kills. Mm. Uh, and for all you listeners, Kevin just released the audiobook version of that. So make sure to grab that too. If, if you're like Adrian, who doesn't prefer to read, but to listen. Listen, sometimes it's hard to like make yourself sit down. I know. And plus, I like, know. I think I've got, a, like, a decent, like, voice to listen to. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that, that, wow, that was real cocky, wasn't no, it? No, no. Hey, listen, you're speaking truth. But you do. Yeah, yeah. You're speaking truth. I'm glad that yeah. you're re- I will say this, I see, love an audio this is what two audiobook. sips of wine will do to me, girls. You know? <laughs> two sips. <laughs> <laughs> I love an audiobook that the author reads it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something you feel connected to that person. So even, even more than just holding the book. I listened to a podcast by Pete Holmes. Uh, mm. and uh, called You Made It Weird. And Pete said, when you buy a book, you're not only buying the content, but you're buying the life you think you're going to have that will allow you to sit down and casually open a book. <laughs> and while yeah. some days I feel like I have that life, most days I do not have that life. So I appreciate a good audiobook. I really do. It really saves saved me so much. <laughs> so what I would love for us to do, Kevin, is for those of us who are not familiar with you and your work, Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to, if you wouldn't mind, briefly tell us what do you tell people that you like that you meet at a cocktail party? What do you tell them that you do? My own question. Is um, that your question that I that I that copied? is the cocktail party <laughs> oh, question? No, like, I didn't know no, I first. love it because stealing your stuff. Listen, steal like an artist. That's what I'm not. That's what <laughs> I love. That was that a book. book. That was a book. Yeah, yeah. it's a good sure. book. Yeah, I'm never like I always say collaboration over competition. Mm-hmm. Except for like anybody out there trying to make bad theology kills, you have to get that licensed now. <laughs> well, would they spell it with a Z at the end? You right. Well, actually, no. I think according to well, it's music law. I don't know how music law would pan out with this um, because. I know that the copyright infringement, like, for example, if you made a band called The Killers with an A-Z instead of The Killers with an E-R-S, yeah. um, that would be a copyright infringement still. So we just really? need to make Bad Theology Kills into a musical. Done. Yes. That's License dope. it from me. And, oh, my God, that would be the most no, tragic we're, musical We're writing ever. it together. We're writing it together. <laughs> oh, fuck me up. Let's do it. <laughs> that, um, white sorry, uh, that white denim jacket. That white denim jacket you, deserves a musical itself. It does. It needs a special number. We'll I, want, I want it to be the music written by Dua Lipa. <laughs> that album a disco a disco pop musical about being Yo. gay in kitchen <laughs> hell yeah perfect um sorry cocktail the question party. was cocktail party yeah uh i tell people well if if it's like a cool people i tell them that i'm a life coach and that's like kind of like oh yeah sure that kind of makes sense what, do, what does that mean and so i'll tell them a little bit more about that uh if it's a room where i don't know how i'm gonna get read i'll say that i'm a consultant Mm. And I'll say, like, I'm a diversity consultant because a lot of times, like, to try to explain, I'm like, okay, so I am a soul coach and, like, digital pastor sometimes, and I'm an author and I speak places, and also, like, I'm a witch and, like, (laughs) and I'm a tarot card reader, and uh, I'm also, uh, you know, my mother's son. Sometimes my mother's daughter, depending <laughs> on right. the day. Um, 
but yeah, most of the time I'll, I'll tell people that I'm a life coach. Um, because trying to explain, <laughs> trying to explain it all is a little difficult sometimes. And I, it just depends on what is my emotional bandwidth in the moment. And uh-huh. do, do, do I, do I trust this person enough to not like proselytize me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause that's that happened. The... I've, I've told people what I do and that I get, I'll just tell people that I'm gay. And one time this guy told me like, I just, you know, I don't want to be offensive. And I'm like, well then don't fucking say it. Dude. Don't say this. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud, but I'm just like, this is it. This is where I lose my shit in public. And he was like, um, I just, you know, I don't want to see you as a gay. I just want to see you as a child of God. Because you're, you're <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what? Because your identity is so much more valuable when you're not placing it in something other than yeah, that's, when, like, that's when like Mary Poppins puts down the tea. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like, and I tried to reason with him and he just, I was also like a, a few beers in and already emotionally compromised at that point in my life. So <laughs> I yelled. I get it though. I mean, I feel like it's, what was it? There's like some movie where someone said, hey, uh, tell me about it, about this question. And the person goes, oh, it's a long story. And they go, oh, I got time. And the no, character said, the character said, you might have the time, but I don't think you have the patience to really kind of dig down into what this, you know, because everything is so nuanced. Everyone is so nuanced. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God. Because, like, I have, this is, see, I'm from the South. I've never met a stranger. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm just, like, waiting to try to be friendly. And I, before COVID broke out, like, I go to this, went to this co-working space, went up to this guy, looks cool. He's smoking black and milds. Like, you know, he's like, I'm like, oh, we're going to be, like, the cool people who smoke outside the co-working space. Go up to him. Tell him what I do. And he's like, to be honest, I think what I do is in like complete opposition to you. And I was like, okay. And then he proceeds to basically tell me his ex-gay testimony. But then I start poking oh. holes in it and he gets really <laughs> uncomfortable. But like his, I did not ask for his whole testimony, but it was like 40 minutes. Yeah, I was just man. standing there like with my, with my joint, just like. I just wanted fucking... to smoke with you. I, don't care. I, I just wanted to ask how your day was, bro. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that you hate yourself, but it's not my problem. Sorry. And we actually, no, you're good. We actually have some questions that we'll, we'll get to that I think one of those might touch on that topic, but we'll, Rock and roll. we'll get there. Um, I, you know, Kevin, we always talk to our guests and we ask them if they were, if they're church kids, if there's a church kid somewhere there. I've read your book. I know you're mm. a church kid. Oh, but yeah. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about your relationship with the church specifically? Mm-hmm. And how did you go from being this church kid to being a consultant mm-hmm. at a cocktail party? A consultant. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Jesus wept. Get out of me, Satan. <laughs> um, so, yes, growing up, uh, Southern mm-hmm. Evangelical, non-denominational, nothing to speak of like the huge, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... My, my life was like in church like three times a week. Mom was the worship leader and very involved. My dad was military and like nominally Christian, but like I didn't question like, yeah, of course dad believes in Jesus. But like I didn't really see till later in life. It's like, oh, my dad was like not himself for most of his life. Weird. Hmm. Um, and my uncle was the pastor and got baptized at age nine because like I, so this is like the thing about me is like, I've been having spiritual experiences my entire life, like age nine, first spiritual experience of like presence or indwelling, or like I became aware of the joy available to me. And uh, people told me to stop being so dramatic. It's very strange. 
and it was very i know right <laughs> me dramatic never <laughs> um but like i knew at age nine that i was going to be a preacher in some way in some kind of teaching and that's what got continuously spoken over me my entire life that you're going to be a preacher you're going to be a pastor in some way and i balked at the idea for like when i because when i hit my teen years it was like okay i'm also gay what does that mean you know, enter 12 years of ex-gay therapy and trying to pray the gay way and um, <clears throat> really having to, it's like I had to go all the way to the nth degree of like really trying. It's like, I'm going to go to this thing. I'm going to become like a man after God's own heart. I'm going to like join a fraternity. I'm going to go be a missionary. I'm gonna do all these things so I can be a man who doesn't like other men, except for <laughs> it's not how it works. <laughs> so... Um, you know, about five years ago, summer, I am interning. And by interning, I mean, like, it was one of those, like, really exploitive, like, they exploited their workers, mm -hmm. their interns. Yep. Like, not just, like, regular level internship bullshit, but, like, I'm talking, like, I raised thousands of dollars to work there and go further into debt. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is the worst. And then also at the end of it, they said, like, oh, yeah. You intern, and then we like we usually have a job or a position, or like you get sent back out into the field. And I, they created a position for me. And then uh, when I came out, it was like, mm, I, we just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, um, it's not your time. How convenient. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, really, the Holy Spirit? What? And I'm like, there's nothing else, nothing <laughs> else at all. Like, yeah, it's just like we're just listening to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, fine. And I didn't say anything, and I you know, left. And then I lived in a shitty basement apartment with my best friend, Casey at the time, who also was a missionary on the field with me and also not gay until he was <laughs> as well. And, uh, when I moved to Atlanta, had no job, no money, uh, no connections really. I had like a couple friends and been making it work ever since. And like, since then I've been everything from like uh, barista. I worked. I managed a restaurant for a while. I worked for a nonprofit, and now, I mean, ever since I came out, I've been writing or talking about my story and being queer and a person of faith and queer and Christian on the internet since the day that I came out on September 9th, twenty fifteen, and now it's kind of my job. Like I make content on the internet. And I have amazing supporters on Patreon. Uh, I'm a life coach now, and I help people. Uh, become the people they needed when they were younger. I help people oh. get over their own fear of life and help people reconnect with their infinite connection to love and to God and like spirits movement in their life. And uh, I'm somebody who is very interested in starting a spiritual revolution. Um, and I mean that with full sincerity in my heart. Tell, could you could you tell me about that? <clears throat> what is a spiritual revolution? Because like? because so because I mean we all grew up in the church, mm -hmm. and so often when you hear that your generation's gonna be the generation that revolutionizes, like yeah, so Revival. many times, yeah, and it's always with that southern twang. But it's mm -hmm. it's a lot of looking back now, it's just a lot of empty promises. Yeah, because the thing about revivals, we grew up in the space where revival meant like we were returning to something, mm. um, and in a way that is kind of like what I want to see happen. I want people to return. I want people to return to God. But the thing is, just like, I, I mean that in the actual sense. And I, like, what many people meant over the years of us growing up was like, we want people to return to white Jesus. Mm -hmm. We want people to return to this like very specific way of living 
we want people to have this very specific experience of God to show their faithfulness. We want people to look and think and be like us, a revival, because our way of life is slowly dying, because the natural progression of life is leaving you behind. Mm -hmm. That's what revival mm -hmm. was really doing. Wow. However, when I speak of revival, I speak of revival in the way that um, Reverend William Barber, um, who is a phenomenal preacher and advocate for the Poor People's Campaign, he constantly talks about, in the same words as Martin Luther King Jr., God rest his soul, about a, uh, a revival of the moral imagination, a revival of values, a revival mm. of how we treat each other in public. And for me, I think that moral revival of doing the most good for the most people actually stems from something we've been missing for a long time, which is the spiritual, which mm. is this... Um, experience of god which then allows us to see god in everything else we can heal ourselves therefore we can heal the world because too many of us have been wounded generation after generation after generation and finally our generation has come to this point because we have so much beautiful information about science uh, about psychology about cosmology about just and also just like we've been able to trade ideas um, between different spiritual practices mm -hmm. and between different cultures that we're finally seeing like, oh, what really matters is that we stay alive. And right now, like the planet's in danger of burning up. And right now our country's in, you know, danger of falling apart economically. And then jobs are going to, you know, da -da 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 -da. you know, 200,000 mm -hmm. people are apparently going to die. Like, That's geez. fucking wild. Yeah. So... My question would be, like, would that have happened if, you know, if, if someone else was the president right now? Absolutely, it would not be nearly as horrible as it is right now. Right. And when I say revival, I want people to be like, yeah, that's not right. Mm. I want people to be able to, like, see clearly what's going mm. on in front of them. That's what the prophetic is. The prophetic is not naming the future as much as it is naming the present and what will happen Ooh, if on. our sin persists. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the prophets of the moment are, I mean, the fruit is evident. This is yeah. what late capitalism is doing to all of us. Mm. It's fucking every single one of us over. And so like, you don't even need to be a prophet to see that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and then th this whole COVID thing is just put, mm. just made everything so easy to see because it yes. sucked away pretty much mm -hmm. all the extra stuff we had going on in our lives yep. and now it's just the bare bones yeah and the apocalypse exactly for, for the good apocalypse and for bad. you know apocalypse just really means the revealing or peeling back of something right i didn't know that no, no. way so yeah it's a revelation or the apocalypse of mm -hmm. of the prophet john right yeah mm -hmm. yeah the apocalypse of john just means the revealing okay. also low-key want to know what he tripped on when he wrote that <laughs> And we, where can I get it? We need because... to go to Patmos and find out what's growing there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like, we like yeah, the they musical. have some very special tea on Patmos. <laughs> That's right. For real. You know, Kevin, I love what you said about that the revival is going to go, it has to go deeper than this sort of mm. surface level bullshit. Everyone looks the same. Um, but that there is something that is, is kind of resonating underneath mm -hmm. the surface. Rob Bell talks about a culture that is Rob Bell talks about a culture that is um, more and more trouble and less and less base. And I think 
Mm -hmm. And he talks about having like these base note moments where you feel something that's grounding to your soul and Mm -hmm. kind of to your essence. And I and I wonder if that's kind of what you're talking about as far as like finding that thing underneath the surface level bullshit. Yeah, it's finding God. Like Mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's like so many people are. We just don't realize that we're talking about the same thing, you know? Yep. Yep. Exactly. And that that's that's the wild thing is like once we recognize that we've all just been talking about the same thing the whole time, it's so much easier. Yeah. That's, I think one of the biggest, so, so like we were good evangelical boys and we were also Calvinist boys. So we were like Mark Driscoll. Come on, two lip. (laughs) We were like Mark Driscoll people and Piper people and all these people. Weren't we all? Weren't we all? And I yeah, right. Just kidding. I feel like so much of um, my interaction with people that didn't think the way I thought, people that didn't have the same sort of doctrinal mechanic understanding, people who were outside this sort of heteronormative, uh, you call it the mythic normal, right? Like people, mm-hmm. any, anyone outside of that didn't fall within the camp. And then we just became like these like soldiers that had to protect this border. And I think we're seeing a lot of a similar sort of mindset here in the country now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right on. I feel I, I, like... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, I just... When Danny Prada put us on to you, mm. and then I clicked on your Instagram, the post you put, the, the tarot card readings you do, or the videos you put on YouTube, mm-hmm. it's very much like what you said when we realize we're all talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you were just as impactful as that um what is the bible by rob bell or oh man or, Thank or you. richard Rohr. like you were one of the things that helped me realize okay there is a life outside of the church that's beautiful that's dramatic and then when your book came out i'm like holy shit kev has yeah. been through the ringer you're the stories about missions work and stuff i completely Yo. related to um but it was just so refreshing to see someone out there like you had come through everything you went through but on the other side you're like i'm still here because god put a calling on my life mm-hmm. to be a mm-hmm. pastor and you didn't kind of throw that away you just reinterpreted what that meant for your circumstance now like how yeah. where you find yourself now because and, that, and that's exactly it is that yeah <clears throat> the call on my life has always been consistent mm-hmm. in my opinion like it's uh i would um Big fan of Course in Miracles, um, which is a metaphysical text that was dictated in 1975. Um, and if you go by what the author says, is literally Jesus Christ visited this woman and gave her this text. Oh, shit. And let me tell you what, as I've been working through it, I'm like, I, I'll, I'll take it with a grain of salt. I'm just like, we can never know if someone's saying they're channeling something. But yeah. I'm like, there's wisdom here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it feel like Jesus. He's very <laughs> familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um so the course would say that it's nev- like the miracle, God's presence, love, is always there, and it's always very plain, and it's like mm-hmm. in our face if we want to see it. Our problem, the problem is never love's presence. The problem is always our perception. Mm-hmm. Like, am I, am I able to perceive God in this moment? Am I able to perceive, like, the next step in this moment, um, or is fear getting in my way? Is my mm-hmm. ego getting in my way? Is my need to mm-hmm. belong? getting in my way is my need to be right getting in my way um is my 
need my need to fully understand getting in my way like it's all these things like um the course would also say that like do you think that there are many problems but there is just one problem that is that you think you're separate from love mm. and so wow. it's like jesus saying it's just like Mar- like martha you are so concerned about so many things yeah but there is only one thing and your sister has chosen better be mm. with me mm. So like I, think, I just yeah. I kind of like I kind of just continue to come back to that. It's like it's as simple it's as simple as that. And so I, I watched a, a I think the YouTube channel is called Cut, and they do a series where they have people who've never smoked marijuana before smoke mm. it for the first time. They have grandpas doing it, grandmas doing it. I really wish my mother would go on that. With me. That <laughs> <Yeah>. would be <laughs> hilarious. But the one that was just really beautiful was a rabbi. A Episcopal priest and an atheist all smoked together. I watched that one. It was oh so my good. goodness. So That's okay, awesome. Whether your your vices is smoking or it's drinking, they they got into a, a <laughs> the Episcopal priest took a hit from the bong. Was like, oh, I can't do this. The atheist <laughs> took it straight to the head, and the rabbi was this super chill. Um, mm-hmm. But they're That's going. Because to... Episcopals are always like so pomp and circumstance. Yeah. They're so proper. <laughs> um, but the, the what really grabbed me was. It was, they did it on Ash Wednesday. And so they then asked, would you guys be okay with doing the Ash Wednesday blessing on each other? And they mm. each did it to each other. The Episcopal priest did it to the atheist. Um, the atheist did it to the rabbi. And the rabbi did it to the Episcopal priest. Mm. And at the end, the rabbi goes, do, do you mind if I use the word God? Because I know you, to the atheist, I know you don't like that word. But mm-hmm. w- would you be willing to receive this blessing? So he does. The atheist says, yeah. The rabbi mm. does the thing in, in Hebrew, and at the end goes, you can call it whatever you want. Mm. You can call it love. You can call it knowledge. You can call it God, but it's all love. Mm-hmm. And then the YouTube video ends. I'm like, I just went to church <laughs> yeah. on a YouTube video. Listen. It was so beautiful. And the thing is, the message is out there. I said all that to say, it's out there. You have mm-hmm. to kind of take that ego down or whatever that barrier is, that yeah, fear. It's like, what are you so, like, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. People yeah. are very afraid. They're afraid of being wrong. They're afraid of mm. their God dying. Mm. Oh, shit. And, and whatever that God means to them. Right? Yeah. Right. And it's right. like, you... <clears throat> it's like the thing is, just like, you've already got it. Like, if you, like, I have, like, uh, you know, the mystics would say any conception you have already is not God. Like, mm-hmm. everything, God is beyond all those other things. And God is also um, my friend, and uh, she's, a, she's a preacher and a pastor. Her name is Emmy Kegler. And she said in a keynote one time that God is not so grand that uh, they should not be found in something as simple as bread and wine. Mm. And I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's I, it. Holy shit. I love that. I want to ask you a question, Kevin, because mm. I think this kind of touches on that. I um, I had this moment the past like couple of weeks. And Josh, I tell you everything. I haven't told you this, but Ooh, <laughs> we work okay. at the same company. Oh. And so... I, I did something at work and I totally screwed the pooch. Like I, I mm. fucked up. I dropped the ball. And every day since then, I would feel this sort of anxiety where I would be afraid to check my email. I'd be afraid to Yo, just clock in. I've been there, yes. And so, and I knew that my body was processing something that my brain just couldn't get to yet. Mm. And so I was like, let me try and do some meditation. I'm not a consistent meditator, but I'm, I'm trying. And I lay down. And the meditation that I happened to find was um, an affirmation. Mm-hmm. And this wonderful woman, she was like, I want you to say this to yourself. I want you to say 
that I am enough, that any problem I face, I am resourceful, I'm strong, and I'm complete in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I started crying because, and I had this moment of realization that stepping away from my own kind of organized Christianity, mm-hmm. it was almost like I was a, a full bag of potato chips that was mostly air because I had to say that God is the one that makes us whole because we're not whole. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you kind of open up that bag, I had never really dealt with my own feelings of inadequacy, my own feelings of I'm not enough because we were conditioned that we're not, right? Um, and so my, and you kind of mentioned that about this feeling of like, once mm-hmm. you kind of pull away that layer, who are you down at, at the core? Mm-hmm. In your coaching and your conversations, have you interacted with kind of evangelicals that have kind of engaged with that sort of feeling? Yeah, everyone has that feeling. Like that's the thing is like, everyone thinks, like we all think that we're like, <laughs> I think that everybody thinks that everyone's doing better than they are. And really the reality (laughs) is we're doing a lot better than we think we're doing. Mm -hmm. We need to give each other, like we need to give ourselves some slack. That's why, you know, you want to know why people don't have grace for other people? Because we don't have grace Grace for ourselves. ourselves. Yep. That's right. There it is. Like, one of the reasons I've been been able to get through the, like the the past four years, grace for myself, because otherwise Mm. I would rip every Tom, Dick and Harry who voted for Trump. And really (laughs) a new one straight for the jugular. (laughs) <laughs> um but yeah the the feeling of um it's it's getting down to like what is the story that i've been telling myself and what are the stories that have been told to me about myself um what stories did i pick up um and by stories i also mean like ways of acting in the world i call them scripts sometimes mm. so it's like when i was in elementary school when i was a child i got this script that said to be a good child to be a good boy meant to do X, Y, and Z. To be a good Christian boy meant I did A, B, and C. You know, get baptized around 10 years old. Don't do drugs. Don't have sex. Don't be gay for sure. <laughs> Whoops. Um, <laughs> and also, like, it was it was like, it was was like a list of to-dos. It was a list of mm-hmm. uh, just, like, trying to perform my for my worthiness, trying to perform for love. It's like, you are loved if you stay within these these confines. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's and also the other confine is like you have to believe this and practice this or you go to hell. And that's not love. That is um, a making a decision under duress. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so like within like if hell exists, then that means that perfect love cannot exist. Like oh, wow. that, that's that's the thing. It's like if perfect love exists, <sighs> then it's then it's full forgiveness. Like mm-hmm. it would it could not stand for it. Like. Sorry, I'm going to get onto a tangent. But really, no, like, I like it's, go. it becomes, we move from these fearful places all the time. Mm-hmm. We move from this fearful religion. Like, we fear ourselves. We fear our desire. We feel, um, we fear the future. And we're also still sad about the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of my work, like, when I start working with people is to kind of ask that question is like, so you've got all these things going on in your head right now. So let's do a little experiment real quick. I want you ready. both in your head mm-hmm. to say, hello. Ready, set, go. You hear? Did you hear it? Yeah. Now, now say hello, like scream it in your mind as loud as you can. And anyone else listening, scream in your mind. Ready, go. You heard it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, granted, I know that there are people out there who like can't, they don't have that thing, yeah. that inner dialogue, which I don't understand. Yeah, which like good on you but most of us out here experience that my question is who was the one in in inside who heard that 
Mm. Like, was it you? Or was it, who was it? Mm-hmm. Or were you the one Damn. speaking? Or like all the other things going on throughout your day? Like just narrating things. All the fears that happen to come up that like, it's like, oh my gosh, I better not do X because if I do X, I'm going to be sinful. If I do this, I'm not going to be a good Christian. If I do this, I'm not going to be loved. Mm-hmm. And it goes all these things and like, all these scripts are running around in our heads and when we stop long enough to like sit in just witness it sit and witness of like what we're experiencing we are able to like not judge it that's like like probably like the biggest thing is just like un it's undoing fear it's like okay it's at when it's, it's asking a couple of questions one why do i believe what i do um is it helpful um, and what do I need to do to get back into that feeling of being connected to love or presence or God mm-hmm. or spirit? And so a lot of my work for so many people who I work with, um, old ways of praying don't work. Listening to worship music definitely doesn't work for most mm-hmm. people. It's very triggering. Uh, going to church is not an option anymore because they've been kicked out or they're just burned or they don't want to. Um, and for some people, like I work with them and they're like trying to work through their coming out process. So. I have worked with dudes who are married to women in heterosexual marriages with kids, working them through their coming out process. I've worked with people who are in their 50s working through their coming out process. I've worked with people who are like 21, 22. Um, And then some people, it's like, I want to feel connected to God, but I don't know how to do it anymore. And so we learn, I teach them things that I have, have learned. And we try a bunch of different stuff on. Hmm. Because really, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't care what you call God. I don't care who, like, just that you call her. Mm. <laughs> I love that. We're talking about practice. Mm. Could you talk to us, Kevin, about some ways that you enter into presence? I, I saw that you mm. had done a, um, a meditation video on Instagram Live and you posted it to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the practice that you try and do yeah. in your work and in your personal life? And before you get into that, Kev, I caught one of your Instagram Lives and your YouTube uh, live streams and some people on there were shitting on you hard and mm. like posting your address and stuff. Oh, it was very that strange. Was, I got doxxed. It was very was, disturbing. But it was like instantaneous. I know, I know. And that is why um, YouTube actually doesn't do live streams directly from that platform anymore. You have to go through a third party service because it's the, the way they do live streams is not secure. That oh, was shit. nuts. Yeah, it was really, really oh, wild. I just had to say that. That's that was crazy to watch. So never, I never streamed from YouTube again. Good. Then yeah. I, so now I'm a Twitch girl if I'm ever going to live stream. <laughs> Twitch thought. Um, or an OnlyFans, you know, my OnlyFans. Can you put that in the description? Eh, yeah, we'll drop it in a link in the show notes for sure. Yeah. This episode of Dirty Rotten Church because it's brought to you by OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans is a great place to use to get ethical porn. I mean, honestly. You paid for it, it yeah. Um, what was it. I talking about? I'm so sorry. Practice. <laughs> Practice. Uh, we're talking about OnlyFans. Uh, Practice. Um, no. Um, Every single day I have, well, you know, like, let me say this. Most every, on the, on the days that are normal, like if there is a day when I miss my meditation, I can tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I miss two days, then I really can tell. But so I try to meditate every single morning. Um, I work, like I said, I work with a text called A Course in Miracles. And there's actually uh, a workbook for students. It's 365 days long and it's just one lesson a day one uh mental exercise um sometimes it's it's all prayer and a lot of it's a prayer and meditation and i just spend time with god which for me it looks like just talking to my body and um 
Yeah, like I, I started off like just like learning how to do just like basic mindfulness meditation. But now that I have like moved into like a deeper meditation practice, I usually take, I just have like a whole shit ton of affirmations that are just running through my head and I just like sit. It sounds weird, but just like, I love meditating. I'll just sit there for like 30 minutes and I'm just like, mm, yeah, that feels great. Yeah. Because it's like, if I don't, like, the whole world could knock me off my cool. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a part, because I, I was thinking, too, that we were brought up with the language of prayer mm -hmm. and the language of the Holy Spirit and this mm -hmm. sort of, like, this sort of presence. And it's almost like having a taste of, like, cooking your grandma made or something. You're like, there's mm -hmm. something that's happening. You're like, I remember this flavor. And that's something kind of, it's like a tuning fork moment that just kind of resonates right. with, yeah. And that's exactly it is like the way like because like the feeling is all the same like <laughs> at least for me yeah. uh being a little pentecostal and having all these like weird spiritual experiences my whole life i knew what god's presence felt like and so if there's an i always tell people god's presence like if there was ever a moment like where you watched something heard something that just moved you whether it moved mm -hmm. you to tears or inspired you Maybe like you saw your kid for like you heard your kid cry for the first time and it's just like wow like that's what made you go wow that mm. feeling of awe that is presence when you're just like when you are at the center like when the universe is just everything is right and perfect and you're just in the flow that's the presence of God and most everyone has had some sort of moment like that in their life and so I always tell people just like that moment of just like serendipity that weird connection that one thing that just happened to happen by coincidence. Hmm. where you're just like hmm you don't want to give god credit because that would mean that you have to give god credit for a lot more <laughs> oh shit yeah anyways yeah. so like i love my it. thing is just like you we've all experienced it it's just that like we forget that we're allowed mm -hmm. to experience it all the time because we told we were told we weren't allowed to experience yeah. it all the time yeah or that that it wasn't available mm. so my work is about I mean, like, I something I say in one of my classes all the time is the Holy Spirit has been trying to break down every single binary there ever was between, you know, body and spirit, God and humanity, me and you. Mm. You know, I was just about to touch on this because I've listened to you on your YouTube channel, Kevin. I've listened to you on multiple podcasts, and um, I watched your YouTube video for National Trans Visibility Day, and it was mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful and incredible. Um, I know that you are a non-binary trans human being, and I listened to you on, I think it was the How to Be Human with Rachel Ward podcast, mm. and also on the Shipwreck to Safety podcast. Yeah. And you articulated this so well. You said you use they, them pronouns because it allows people to locate you outside mm. of like the like the, the, the life, the game of life, like blue peg and a pink peg. Mm -hmm. There's something new and something distinctly you and true yeah. to you. And in your book, you refer to God in a lot of similar language. Mm -hmm. um, for people who come from God the Father language, that can be either incredibly liberating mm -hmm. or kind of odd. Could you speak to this new way of mm -hmm. us being able to engage with the divine? Yeah, because like, if you like, it's okay to feel weird about it. Like anything you do for the first time is going to be weird. I, I mean, my question, my first question is like, is God literally a man? Does God literally have a penis? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no. We know that God literally does not have a literal penis. And no, God does not literally have a vagina either. God does I don't think God has arms. 
(laughs) in the way that we think of arms. Mm -hmm. You know, God's arms are you and me in this, like right here, like this Mm -hmm. body. This this uh, this is the arm of God right here, hmm. um, but we'll get into that in a second. Um, but the reason, um, I don't think you know. If you know, it says in in the good book that like in Christ Jesus there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. Hmm. I'm likely to believe the Bible because I'm a good Christian, right? <laughs> and so, what does it mean that there's neither male nor female? Um, I would like to think that it means it's something beyond, because you also look at Isaiah. Um, it, sa- it says, uh, do not let the eunuch say that I am just a dry tree, for I will give him a name that is better than daughter or son. That's outside oh. the binary. That's in the fucking wow. Bible. Wow. The Old Testament, too. Like, people don't, like, just read the fucking Bible. And also, like, yeah. let's, think, let's look at, like, uh, creation, for example. God created the night and created the day. But what's in between the night and the day? There is the dawn and the dusk. Mm. What is between the land and the sea? The swamps and like the the other Bayous places and deserts and you know like yeah. there's all these different mm. in betweens in nature all the mm. time, and so it's like why wouldn't humanity also follow that same pattern? Mm. Now, if you take Genesis as a literal story, then just like you're a fucking idiot. But like, <laughs> go off, sis. No, don't. I don't mean that. I mean, <laughs> but that's it's, the two it, sips of wine talking. But no, I yeah, get it. a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's like the thing that just bugs me so much is like, how are you going to tell me about my own damn experience? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it makes you uncomfortable, okay, sorry. Now I'm complaining about being trans. Let me go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason I refer to God as he, she, her using they, I, I like saying God, our mother versus like God, mm-hmm. the father. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not wrong to refer to God as father because like for me, I had a shitty father growing up. So like for me, having God, the father was quite comforting. Mm-hmm. And then being able to learn that God was also a mother and like nurtured me and held me. And that God was also like something totally beyond that. So like God is not male or female or half male, half female. God is fully male and fully female and fully everything else. In between. Yeah. Yeah. And everything yeah. beyond it. It's just like, we literally made like we made gender up. You go to mm-hmm. African cultures that weren't colonized; they had uh, like four genders: like masculine, male, feminine, female, feminine, male, and masculine, female. You mm-hmm. look at the Hawaiian uh, Hawaiian indigenous cultures; the mahu literally means in between. So wow. it's like, you know, or like over in India, there's an entire like uh, cast of people who are what we would call trans women. But they understand them in a very different way, and they also kept so much of like Hindu tradition alive. So it's like, hmm. you know, like we can trace back in history where we introduced the gender binary into the world, and if we made it up, it means we can make <laughs> other things up too. I guess. I love it. It's it's talk. You talk in your book about repentance, hmm. and in like the evangelical language, repentance is a is like a a verbal and emotional flogging that you do to yourself. And oh, then yeah. You, talk about you know, how you just horrible beat the shit you are. <laughs> That's right. Um, but you talk about repentance such as a changing of the mind, and I love that so much. And I think so much of my experience coming away from church was mm. like the word repentance was be like, fuck repentance, why would I need to? I, and almost I had a resistance against the notion mm. of repentance because of how loaded the term was, mm-hmm. you know? But when you look at it as like, it's just a changing of the mind, you do it all the time, and it's mm. all okay. It makes you not afraid of repenting and growing and, and, and transforming forward. Yeah. And also, like, 
nothing will fuck up a conservative more than you yelling repent for the kingdom of god is at yeah. hand at them is that they're looking at me like it's like you need to repent i'm like you need to repent i'm just like i haven't and that's the thing is like i just all it is is just like you need to repent oh this okay so like this is like uh where i get my mystical theology on so John the Baptist is baptizing people saying, and, you know, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So it's like, there's a part about repentance that has to do with the forgiveness of your own sin because your own sin is a product of your own mind. You're, nothing proceeds from the body without first starting in the mind as a thought, right? So if repentance, changing the mind is the first step in stopping sin, like, it's not about, like, change, like you know, change your behavior so that your sin is forgiven. It's like change your mind so you stop doing the shitty things mm. so you can forgive yourself for thinking the way that you did. Like shit. Y- you get forgiven when you stop doing the shit that hurts people. Mm. Stop sinning. Learn to do what is good. That's what Isaiah said. Who told you to trample before me and for your courts? That's what Jesus, like God's asking. Just like y'all, like your new moon festivals and all this stuff, it's shit to me. Yes. But like learn to do what is right. Take up the cause of the widow. Take care of the orphan. Kevin, I gotta say something real quick. There has been more Jesus. There has been more scripture yes. in this one episode than well, every episode. Yeah. You've taken us to church, and I really love yeah. this. Listen, I, I mean, I'm getting my degree in. Uh, oh, I don't know if I mentioned this. Like, I'm finishing up my master's degree in practical theology at Columbia Theological. So, like, so I'm like oh, yeah. in it right now. Okay, got it. Hell yeah. But also, just like I really do, like love the Bible. It's a text that is like incredibly liberative. And just because, you know, white people have like co-opted Black Jesus doesn't mean mm-hmm. that like, you know, Jesus doesn't belong to them. Mm-hmm. The Bible does not belong to, you know, white supremacy. And I refuse to let them have it. Mm. I was watching someone, one of our uh, Instagram followers sent us a live stream of these two people just talking through Easter. And one of the things they said really floored me, sort of along the same lines, is that Mm. we are not the disciples mourning the death of our Savior. We're the Roman soldiers there mocking him. We're not the nation Mm. of Israel being delivered in the Old Testament. We are the Egyptians. Mm. And... Uh, Ooh, uh, you better yeah. you better witness it, and testify. Come on, the, the Josh. I think that was Jamie Lee Finch. Up. Yes, I Jamie think that which who you and, who you know and love. And someone else is on there, but they were just going off on how Easter shouldn't be a time where um, the white conservatives should be rejoicing in Christ's resurrection, but should be mm. taking account for all the oppression they've done mm. by using the Bible as the excuse. Mm, um, and, and so many, good. and so many people have asked us directly through our Instagram, or my my family's even asked me, "What's my opinion of the Bible?" And it's just that the repentance, the changing of the mind. Mm-hmm. It's just like I don't. It, it, it's hard to, like you said, <laughs> worship music triggers you. Oh, for real, I'm yo. right there. And so much of the Bible is triggering too, because I've just it's a, such a, a fresh wound. But there mm-hmm. are parts of it when you read it. The Genesis story, when it's not taken literal, is beautiful mm-hmm. it's a beautiful story beautiful and retelling. that's part of like the nest the necessity of learning to heal ourselves yeah of taking account for what's triggering us taking account mm-hmm. for because like the thing is like you're not like your trauma is not your fault your trauma is not your fault um your healing however is your responsibility Ooh. like that's the thing um, like uh, and here's the deal is 2020 we're out of time 
Mm-hmm. We're all traumatized right now. The world is currently experiencing a global trauma. People are dying. And also, there is a very important election coming up. And I hate for us to say, like, uh, I would never tell anyone to push themselves past what they know they can do. But what I will say is that the sooner we start healing from our triggers and our trauma, the sooner things will actually change. If you want to see change happen in your world, you need to see change happen in yourself first. And one of those things Mm -hmm. I think that for so many people is you don't have to remain in spiritual spaces. Um, But if you, but like the thing is like 97% of the world is spiritual and you are going to have to deal with that for the rest of your life. So if you want to like, you know, continue walking on the route being triggered, don't work on your shit. But if you'd like to recover and maybe even find some treasures within the places that you once um, called home, you know, if you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, do your work. Because like the thing about it is, is like if Jesus doesn't trigger you, that's the thing. Jesus Mm -hmm. doesn't trigger you. The people who hurt you trigger you. Yes. And worship music. I don't want to say like worship music. I won't say it doesn't trigger you because obviously it is a trigger. Mm -hmm. But it's like for me, if it always triggers you, then it always triggers you. Don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I do believe that for things like our faith tradition, God, the word, like, the word God, if the word God triggers you, find a new word then. Mm-hmm. Do, because, yep. like, that's just a word. Yeah. And love is not contained in it. Spirit's not contained in this. Your isness, like, you can heal from this. Yeah. And it does not, uh, all it takes is. Are you uh, so, <laughs> something I borrow from our friends in recovery? Is are you willing to take one percent of the responsibility for your healing? Just one percent. Mm. And if you're willing to do that, you're already there. Shit, I love it, mm. Kevin. If we oh, could, goodness, I want to be respectful of your time. I did. We did make some promises that we would ask you some questions. I love it. Let's answer any and all things. I've got time. Oh, I'm ready to right. shitty chat. I'm ready to tell you give you a piece of my mind i love it all right so this question is from i believe they go by rye hi colorado rye from colorado says how did you accept that the terms queer and the term christian were not mutually exclusive um because i i just found myself being one (laughs) that's really what it came down to it's like I met other queer Christians, and it's like they exist. They do exist. <laughs> Listen, if you get that reference, you're an, you're an OG for sure. For real. But like, that's really what it is. Is like, uh, you can't deny their existence because they exist. You can't. You can lie to yourself and say there's no such thing as a queer Christian, and deny the nature of reality, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Like you're allowed to do that, but it's mm-hmm. not very helpful. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's just like, doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. They exist. Yep. And so it's just like, I can either agree with truth, agree with God, or nah. And I don't know about you, but like disagreeing with God doesn't always go good for people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is a, and this question will kind of dovetail into it, because another person who, uh, it's at, wow, it's Allison. I tried to reach out and find out where she was from, but I couldn't get a hold of her. Her question is, did you experience internalized homophobia that was caused by your upbringing? And if so, how did you kind of deal with that? Oh, yes. So here's the deal with ex-gay theology and ex-gay therapy is that it's not always necessarily like, 
if you've seen the film Boy Erased or you've heard about the places like where people send their kids yeah. and they get electroshock therapy, some of it is like that. Not all of it is like that. A lot of it is we're going to do a Bible study at our church that for people who are struggling with same-sex attraction. We're going to have a recovery program for people who struggle with sexual addiction. Um, and it is filled with really, really bad psychology. Um, but like they teach you, it's basically they teach you how to think and they teach you how to be ashamed of yourself so that any, and also they teach you that you're very, very bad. And so that make sure you don't do the wrong thing. So you don't go to hell. That's really the thing is that you're always in danger of the fires of hell. Mm -hmm. And if someone's always in danger, like always afraid of like falling into the fires of hell, like that burns up a lot of brain space. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, like, you know, tw uh, you know, I had 12 years of ex-gay therapy. So, like, even now, like, I'm still struggling with stuff. Like, sexual dysfunction, like, not just for queer people anymore, you guys. Like, I think anybody who grew up in evangelicalism has yep. some kind of sexual dysfunction at some point for or real. another. Just because, like, we just weren't taught about it. Like, um, because I wasn't taught about, like, um, you know, good sexual health. Like, I didn't know that boys could be sexually assaulted. So, when it happened to me, you know, I had no language for it. Mm. Mm. Um. Anyways, let's getting back to the topic. I had so much trauma from my upbringing in the church, and just like my sheer desire to want to have sex with another dude, my sheer desire to want to be loved by another man. Mm. So it was both like in the area of like sexual desire, but also like you know you hear that you're an abomination enough, and it takes a little bit of time to like undo that. Yeah. However it is undone now mm. and it takes time. It's like, and what it takes is like beginning to speak back to the lies. You know, mm. if the lie is you're a dirty, dirty sinner and you're going to hell because you're gay and that comes up in your body. The thing to say is no, because it is written. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. You know, it says like, you know, the heart and also like, this is very interesting because the Bible is full of all these lovely contradictions where it says your heart is deceitful above all things. And also before, you were knit together in your mother's womb. I knew you. Which is it? Which is it, yeah. And so yeah. it's like, now granted, like I would translate the word heart as ego. Because mm. the ego is deceptive above all things. The ego is just scared above all things, if we're being honest. But that's mm -hmm. another story for another time. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, the that's the next time we have you on the Yeah, podcast. but uh, yeah, yeah it, it took some time. I think that anybody who has been queer and Christian and had to suppress any part of their sexuality for any part of their life or any part of their desire to change their gender presentation needs to seek therapy. I just like flat out um, because there's so much that you don't even know is there that a, a mental health professional can work with. Or if you've been in mental health spaces before um, I know that I know plenty of like healers and um, embodiment coaches that mm -hmm. help take a lot of the stuff that you learn in therapy and put it into practice. Um, so yeah, I had a shit ton of internalized homophobia. And I mean, there are days when like shame comes up for different reasons, but just also I now have the tools to navigate those things healthfully in a way where um, I have great compassion for myself. Hmm. And it's okay. Like shame is hard, but it doesn't have to stick around because it's not true. Love it. Thank you for asking that question. Wow, it's Allison and by extension, Ryan from Colorado. I think because I think those both were kind of related, you know, because it's Agreed. like this lie that you're told, you know, your whole life. Mm -hmm. um, 
Here's a question. This one touches on your black and mild homeboy. Yes. Uh, that you... <laughs> so this is a question from Bianca from Fort Lauderdale. Hi, Bianca. Who found us because of following you, yeah. Kevin. Cute. And then we found out that we live within like 20 minutes of each yeah. other. Yes. World, which is crazy. Small world. Listen, sometimes so I'll go to conferences and I'll meet people from my city. I'm just like, you live in Atlanta too? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's wild. Mm. So this question is from Bianca. What do you think when you hear Christians insisting that God, quote, healed them from their, quote, homosexuality? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, that has become like a, a an arrow in the quiver for the evangelicals that like, see, God can do it. God can do it. I'm like, <laughs> here's the thing is like, I'm a good Christian. And by that, I mean, like, I believe that God can do anything. Mm-hmm. I really do. But my question is, will God do everything? Mm-hmm. You know, who's like, who's to say? And like, so. <clears throat> it starts off there. It's like, I'm not going to downplay anybody else's like experience of God. So if someone tells me that they were healed by the Holy Spirit, and I would start off just by asking questions like, all right, so like, tell me more about that. And I'll usually ask the question is like, so are you still experiencing same any sort of attraction towards people of the same sex? And I will tell you the truth. A lot of times you ask that question and people are still experiencing attraction for people of the mm. same sex. They're just not acting on it. Right. Or they believe that they're going to be delivered. And some people say, I have been delivered. And my answer to that is, I'll see you in five years. <laughs> and I, that's not that's uh, it's not me trying to poke fun. That's sure. a, I'm saying that with all frankness. Mm-hmm. Because I, it can work, but there are so many stories... I know of people that I have worked with, friends of mine who have had to like, you know, in their marriages with their kids because they're gay. And some sometimes it ends like really, really amicably because both people are like, oh, my God. Yeah, you're definitely gay. And like we want to give each other our best chance of life. Mm. Um, sometimes it goes really poorly. But I'll say like nine times out of ten, like. Give it five years. The second part of that, I would say, is that. We need to look at the data overall. These ex-gay testimonies out there um, are a drop in the bucket as compared to the testimonies of ex-ex-gay people, mm-hmm. if you will. Yep. People yep. who have been harmed by ex-gay theology or conservative theology in one way or another. And so that's what I want to go to is like, sure, you, you've got your Jackie Hill Perrys and your Rosaria Butterfields out there. Um, sure, you've got these people here, here, and here with these, like, lovely testimonies, I'm sure. that Jackie Hill Perry is not me. And I am not Rosaria Butterfield. I am not any of these other people. I am me. And I can only tell you about my experience of God. And so, you know, like, I, I, I want to know, like, why is it that this person's testimony of what God has done in their life, why does it outweigh the testimony of what God has done in my life? And you know That's why it. when I when I tell you that that way of thinking almost killed me and maybe like if people are out there and they're able to live this like ex-gay I'm or celibate life like go off that is your choice it's not me mm-hmm. my question is like are you gonna love me through this or because if if you only will love me if I go to your church or think the way that you do or speak like you do or behave like you do that's that's conditional love. That's not Jesus. Yeah, so many of the stories that I've heard of people coming out of those ex-gay camps 
or the however it's phrased is so tragic mm. and like i don't it, it just it like, steals it, years of your life and yeah, then it, like, it like turns my you stomach up even yeah and then like because like it's even now it's just like i don't know how to date properly mm. <laughs> you know sure. and that's so many of it. us and like you know like for like you know my learning how to have sex like as an adult in real time jesus christ mm-hmm. it's horrifying yeah but, but but i love what you do you take your own experience mm. but you also take the data provided by yeah a ton of people who've been through the, these programs yeah and, and 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 one has to outweigh the other because there's so much so many stories of pain and hurt and now yeah. these conversion yeah. camps are getting closed down which is great and everything which is great yeah. but it's still people wandering around mm-hmm. with all this trauma that they've carried and yeah. not sure how to kind of sift through it and then also we have to understand that the other part of it, the sneaky part of this, is that uh, a lot of these places, like the change movement out of Bethel um, and other churches that have just like these localized groups, is that those are protected under First Amendment rights and intensified mm. by religious freedom and religious freedom uh, restoration acts, bills that have been coming out. Okay. Um, and so if that's really why hearts and minds have to change. That's why culture has to change because, you know, if there's, it literally, it is, we have to let bad religion die. Mm. And it's also like something that's like, I think that a lot of like, you know, there's like 14 or 15 states right now who have outlawed ex-gay therapy for minors under 18. However, if you're over 18, you're allowed to do whatever you want, of course. But the thing is, is like, if it's bad for kids, it's bad for adults too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. For real. Yeah. For real. Um, but yeah, SK Love testimonies, it. I think they're lols. <laughs> it's like, you know, you it's for, like did you read? Did you read this story? Just like read the story. I'm like, listen, I can send you like my old, like I actually, my first book I ever wrote was when I was still in the closet and trying not to be gay. It's awful. I'll send it to you if you want to like, read my Let's SK go. testimony. Wow. <gasps> <laughs> so you mean that's not going to come out in audiobook form? No, 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 no. I crit, like I still have the manuscript, and I just keep it just as like, remember how far you've come, mm-hmm. son. Remember how far yeah. you've come. For real. You know what's funny? You say that we're talking. I think there is this sort of like this selective mm-hmm. decision making that happens. We talked about this on previous episodes, Kevin, where Christian people who hold a very literal mm-hmm. view of the Bible will go, "Hey, you guys are just." Uh, uh, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. So who are you guys to try and infuse your own idea? And then at the same time, they'll flip around some like bulletproof atonement theory that talks about like mm-hmm. why substitution, you know? So obviously they're doing that all the time. Yeah, it's like, th- like they don't understand, like that's the thing, the mythical norm, which <laughs> they don't think, like they think that their way of thinking is normal, mm-hmm. that normal and correct. Yes. And so- right. Everything else is abnormal and incorrect. And that's why they can take like three testimonials about a person who has been saved from the gay. Mm-hmm. And then they can hear the wave, the onslaught of testimonies and the contrary and look at all the data and still hold those few as like, no, but this is really what they didn't hold on hard enough. I'm just like, <laughs> bitch, like I tried to kill myself twice. Like what, Dang. what you mean? How much harder do you need me to hold? Yeah. Oh, how much harder do you want it? Oh, in, in- <laughs> so sorry. In, in, in your book, when you talk about the mythical norm, what really struck me is that everyone has their own mythical norm. Yes, 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 it's, yes. It's yes. Not we like, all have. Yeah, we all have our own. It's, it's not like we all mm-hmm. go, okay, this is what the normal is. No, everyone has their own built and fashioned by their experiences. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's the stripping, it's the first the realization of that and the stripping away of that that allows mm-hmm. you to go, oh, okay, I am yeah. beautifully and wonderfully made. Yeah, and it's that it's that mindfulness to be able to notice it first. Yeah. Because like most white people don't know to, most white people don't know they white, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like being able to like point out or like, and also most men are unaware of male privilege. Like we, th- yes. we just don't fucking think about it. Even like some things yeah. that I experience, cause like I have a beard and I look like a dude most days because I have a beard. So like there are things that like, I just move through the world like unencumbered by other things because I just pass as a white dude. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it takes uh, being able to recognize that in order to start the process of dethroning yourself if you will, or dethroning your ego or dethroning their identity and turning your identity back to your identity in Christ. Hallelujah. In Christ. Praise him. Come on. Praise him. (laughs) Taking us to church. So thank you for that. Bianca from Fort Lauderdale. Thanks Bianca. Just a, just a couple more questions here for you. Hit me. This is a question from Abby from Indiana. Abby from Indiana. (laughs) How do I navigate being uh, an LGBTQIA ally mm. inside a non-affirming church. Leave. That's it. Peace out. I'm I out. mean, on okay, so here's my thing. Are you staying because... Okay, if you are going... This is my answer to everyone. If you are staying in a non-affirming church because you are specifically working to try and change the policy around inclusion through actionable steps and letting queer people lead the way in some way mm. or be a part of it, Yes. Uh, then yes, stay. If you are staying because you grew up in that church or like you've been around that church for so long and then you just had your awakening, but you love these people, you love the church, but also just like you get mad at them every time they say that gay people are going to hell, like that there's obviously some, there's a dissonance here that you need to yes. reckon with. Um, and if you're not willing to do the work, don't go to that church. You mm. don't even really like it. You're just afraid to leave. Yeah. Wow. It's just like that's it's like yeah. and also just like is it like would your would your gay friends feel comfortable? Like if you can't bring your gay friends there, why are you going there? Why would you want to hang out with people who don't love your gay friends? Right. And it's it's it like granted, like, yeah, our moms and dads, like our parents' generation, like they're all on their own journeys they're working out, but mm-hmm. you you are responsible for your own damn self. Wow, that's not, and I don't mean to sound harsh on that one. I would say that to anybody. Yeah, sure. And so, like, you know, if you're sticking around to do reformation work, then absolutely stick around and do it. Just know that it's hard and painful, and nine times out of ten, it's not going to work out the way you want it to. And just, just be realistic asking. with yourself. Yeah, be realistic. And also, like, yeah. why stay somebody? Why stay at a church where there's something horrible when you could go to brunch? A <laughs> fucking man. A fucking man. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on. You say that, and that's so true, because I think for us, so, like, Kevin, Josh, and I planted a church. Sick! So we, I love it. Yeah, we and we had, we planted a church for like we had done it for years, but after doing it for so long, we actually left mm. because we were kind of like it, we kind of came to the end of that chapter, and there was this part of like I can't tolerate so much of what's happening, but I love the people mm-hmm. and I love this, love that, and then you articulating this so well, saying like if you can't be your entire self. Mm-hmm. And that includes your relationships with your gay friends. Like yes. if you can't be your, if you can't bring your whole self there, then why would you bring any of yourself there? Yeah, that's called again. You are performing for conditional love. Mm. Ooh. 
Like Shit. that's it. Like if you're having to that's, edit yourself, you that's are my memoir, Kevin. <laughs> performing for traditional love <laughs> in Enneagram Two memoir. Enneagram Four, but ah! still. <laughs> it's like, will you let? Do you think I'm special now? Yeah, exactly. Can I be? Am I special? Will yeah. you love me now? But you don't know <laughs> your. That's perf- the byline. You don't know you're performing if you've done it forever. Yeah, if you're, if it you're just feels absolutely stage, normal. If you're always, always on a stage, you're always on a stage. You never know that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing. It's just like you don't know that you're playing a game because mm-hmm. you like they they rigged it that way. Mm-hmm. And once you realize that the rule is stacked in somebody else's favor always, and it's the people in power, and that like. It's really like, um, there's a line from The Course in Miracles that I love, and it's from the second chapter. Um, and the line says, uh, you don't have to believe anything that is untrue unless you choose to. For all this may be undone in a moment, for it's merely a misperception. And so it's like, you don't have to believe these things anymore. So it's just like, oh, I'm never going to find somewhere else to belong. I'm just like, that's what they want you to think. Mm. Like, when you have guilt about leaving the church... That is your conditioning kicking in, yeah. saying mm-hmm. you're nobody without us. You can't survive out there. And, you know, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth out in the wilderness. And it's like, no, there's not. <laughs> I mean, there's a little bit because just like things are hard. Like there's no toilet paper anywhere. Lots of gnashing of teeth out there. Um, and let me tell you what, as soon as I make a bag, I'm going to fix my teeth like Cardi. These puppies are going to be so hot. Me too. I got I got to get on the Invisalign game. Josh Link, you got a perfect smile. You never no, had braces, right? You no, know, I had braces, oh, and you then did, I got man. I got punched in the mouth when I had braces. <gasps> oh, so my shit. my oh, lips no. my lips stuck to my braces, and oh, I had to no. rip them off. Oh no! And then I had a retainer, <laughs> and then I lost my bottom retainer. So my bottom teeth are you can't see because the video quality is shit. My bottom teeth are just jagged as fuck. They look like. Uh, <laughs> One of the Pirates of the Caribbean characters' faces. Mm. That's what it like. I guess it's all weird. Yo, I so I had the um, one of those like wannabe Invisalign ones, the cheap ones through the mail, which is fine, sure. and it worked for a while. But then like I didn't get the retainer part, and then I like stopped wearing it. And then I tried to put it back in. It was too painful. Oh, it hurts. Yeah, nope. That's and it. then I was just like, you know what? Like, if my teeth are a little fucked up, like, it's and also cool. like my bottom row and teeth, the way they developed, like they're all kind of like crowded. You would have like they would have to shave down the sides of my bottom oh. teeth to get them to oh, come shit. together. So okay. again, I'm gonna make a bag and fix my teeth and <laughs> or listen, find somebody just, to do it for me. Listen, I just um, kind of pay a lot of attention to Tom Hardy, who's an incredibly attractive man, mm. and he's got a crooked smile just like I do. So I'm gonna <sighs> just live in my truth. <laughs> come on, amen. <laughs> so that was a question. Who did I say that was from? That was from. Abby from Indiana. Thanks Abby, also, Indiana. I just want to tell you, like, that, like, fury in my voice was not directed at you. Like, <laughs> it was directed yeah. at every, I've, I've, I've asked, answered that question before. Got and it. I just get very passionate about allyship. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to be a fucking ally, be an ally. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you should, you just it. run in the church, scream that, and run out of the church. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> that's a sermon in itself you know? <laughs> for real for real oh man all right this is a oh this one i think you've had a podcast talking about this so i'd love to hear you talk about it Yee. again this is from nicholas from ashland oregon hi nicholas this question is can you talk about your thoughts on the intersection of polyamory and faith absolutely um Let's do it. Okay, so this is where we are getting into the wild, wild west of theology. 
um, if you will, because like if you're going to ask me to produce like proof text it, I can't do that for you. Um, because there is not, even in the Bible, there's actually not a single marriage relationship with the exception of maybe the poetry of Song of Solomon, which actually depicts um, a marriage between two people of equal status with the exception of those two people in Acts. What were their names? They got struck dead because like they lied about Oh, shoot. Sapphira? Sapphira and, and, what's it, and her husband. Oh, nice and Sapphira. Yeah. I am a C. I am a C. C-H-O-A-S-T. <laughs> hey, hey. Um, so, yeah, there, there's nowhere in all of Scripture that has, like, just even, like, equitable monogamy, first of all. So, like, if you want to get biblical Christian biblical marriage on me, like, I can show you in the eight ways to do it. Um, and most of them involve concubines. Um. <laughs> So really what we have to talk about then is just like our ethics, right? Is like, because like ethical non-monogamy and polyamory <clears throat> within an ethical framework, everyone in the party is involved. Everyone knows what their expectations are. They know where the boundaries are. Um, and so in healthy non-monogamy or healthy non-monogamy and polyamory, it's not that there's less communication and like everyone's just having a big sex party. It's that there is more work on the edge of, like, you have to communicate even more. You have to own your jealousy even more. You have to um, op- you have to tell the truth mm. all the time. Mm. Tell the truth to your partner about everything all the time, especially what you're feeling. You have to, um, like, it's not, like, polyamory is not just a free-for-all. Polyamory is, like, fuck, that's a lifestyle choice right there because it takes so much emotional integrity and honesty to do it. So like, if anything, I think that uh, monogamous relationships and like monogamous marriage has a lot to learn from polyamorous people. Namely, what would happen if you actually asked your partner for the kind of sex you wanted? Like what would happen if you actually told your partner, Hey, um, I'm also interested in butt stuff. You want to try that? Or Hey, like, I have these attractions towards other people. Like, they're so, like, what is what is so scary about being honest? Everything. Mm. And so my thing, like, with polyamory and Christianity is that, like, no, you can't proof text it. But also, I wouldn't call it sin because, like, nowhere in Scripture, like, it's not talked about in Scripture because mm-hmm. in Scripture they don't have... An, a, an ethical framework for marriage, period, let alone an ethical framework for non-monogamy. So right. what we have to do is we have to stop applying first and second century sexual ethics Amen. and social norms onto 21st century people who are adults doing something in the name of just experiencing more love. <laughs> and if you do, and like here's my thing. If you don't know any polyamorous people, you don't get to have a policy about polyamorous people. Yeah, I like that. Same thing if you don't know any queer people, you don't know any black right. people. I use that on everyone. It's like, what's your, po- like, how do your, if someone says polyamory is sinful, I'm just like, do you know any polyamorous people? Right. Somehow that happened. Like, somehow the people who, the people who are on the inside had mm-hmm. to get to make all the decisions for the people on the outside. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, some might say that there's not an interaction, but just like, I know, uh, I know a fair number of non-monogamous and polyamorous Christians um, slowly coming out of the word woodwork. Um, I know so many clergy who are non-monogamous um, who have open marriage. It's like, 
it's more it's way more common than people are letting you know mm-hmm. and a lot more fun Ooh. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> and that uh, is onlyfans.com backslash yes we're gonna leave a link in the show notes what, down below if i had the body for it no 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 here's Body's the thing great. it's just like if Body's i great. um if i wasn't like hell-bent on being like a spiritual teacher or whatever that means but like it just sounds like such a powerful thing like someone's gonna pay to see my naked body fuck yeah that's cool you know there was Man, a, I, like that's I such this, so you just take off your great. clothes <laughs> there's this youtube channel that i watch he just does like essays on stuff and the essay he did was on the rise of OnlyFans and why that's such a popular thing right now and like oh, compared it with the dating scene and everything and the money some of these people pull in mm-hmm. i follow this one it's um crazy. she's a phd candidate but she also is like the in the top 5% of creators on OnlyFans. Holy shit. And so she like reads her essays while also taking off her clothes. So it's like she's, re- she's like these dope womanist essays on black liberation while she's also like <laughs> showing nuts. off her like Embodying beautiful it. ass body. It's like, wow, girl, like, <laughs> and she's the thick black woman. Oh, like she just, puts, the reason I say is like, she puts like uh, gifts of her shows on the internet and i'm like she really goes all in it's like artistic wow. you know what i'm saying <laughs> artistic with two s's yeah you can look up lexual on uh that's l-e-x-u-a-l on that's a, twitter that's a great name that is a good one yeah all right so that's the i think that's all the questions we have kevin if we have just a couple last more minutes we have just one more Listen, segment i got nothing but time all right, perfect. Link, if you want to queue up our last and final segment, before yeah. we get there, actually, yeah. Kevin, could you tell us and all of our listeners where they can connect with you, where they yes. can hear your content and engage with you? Yes, you can find all of my stuff at thekevingarcia.com. That's T-H-E, kevingarcia.com. And you can get my book, Bad Theology Kills, Undoing Toxic Belief and Reclaiming Your Spiritual Authority at badtheologykills.com. Mm. Love it. Awesome. Well, this is our last segment of the night, Kevin, and this is a segment we like to call Sip, Smoke, Read. Yeah, that ASMR right there. <laughs> got you. That last little bit. Yeah, we got you. <laughs> so, Kevin, this is a segment of the show where we talk about what are we sipping, what are we smoking, what are we reading, watching, and just, you know, quarantining with. Yes, yes, yes. I like uh, this. Who would like, to, who would like to go first? I'll, I'll go. Just Do to it. break the ice. So, I've been sipping way too many espresso drinks. Mm. So, I bought this little attachment for my coffee paraphernalia and adrian turned me on to an espresso tonic which oh, is it's it, it's changed Wigo. it's changed my afternoons it's <laughs> elderflower right adrian okay yeah. elderflower tonic with uh orange bitters Ooh. with the candied orange that your grandma always had yes. on the bottom of the glass and then espresso on top of it Mwah. oh kiss. my like i wake up in the morning <laughs> wanting to drink that like in the afternoon that's been great um, getting me through quarantine, uh, and I, what I've been watching—just a lot of anime, oddly enough. Mm. What kind of anime are you watching? I love anime. Um, I am 
going through JoJo's Bizarre Adventure <gasps> just because all the memes. And, mm-hmm. I didn't, and it takes place in like the 18th century, which is so cool. Um, the fourth season of My Hero Academia. I need to get on that one. All my friends oh, talk about it. It's way too Did you also know Megan the Stallion loves My Hero Academia and she's no. a big anime nerd? No, no idea. Big facts. No, but uh, yeah, and then any horror anime I can get into. I just, I, I'm on a Junji Ito weird body horror. Mm-hmm. Like, quarantine's you, doing stuff to me. Yo, let me tell you what. Go <laughs> Netflix, Castlevania. It looked cheesy as it. fuck, but so fucking good. So Ugh. good. Third so, season. So good. Did you watch third season? No, no, no. Oh, you're in for a treat. It's the best one. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and what's really funny is like, I kind of forced my wife to watch it because I'm taking up the TV. She's like, well, I don't like this, but now I need to go watch some Studio Ghibli stuff just to kind of even out the nasty. <laughs> She's like, my neighbor Totoro, all the sweet yeah. stuff. So, oh, um, yeah. My favorite one was Mr. Howell's Flying Castle. Ugh. So good. The animation itself. Gorgeous. Is, it's all hand drawn, which is who has time to draw that shit? <laughs> Not me. Um, and I'm smoking Nat Sherman's, those, those little water and tobacco cigarettes when I'm mowing Cute. the lawn. Oh man, that just hits a spot when it's super hot outside in Florida mm. and I'm mowing the lawn like a dad smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Full dad mode. Yeah, Listen, <laughs> I can't like, oh, I love that. So that, that's what I've been doing. That's a visual. Cool. Kevin, do you want to go next? Yes. Um, uh, was it, it was smoke, sip and watch? Sip, smoke, read. Sip, smoke, whatever. read, it's but it's really just whatever you're ingesting. Okay, cool. Um, I mean, a lot, if I'm being honest, lots of boxed wine. It's a hard time, and it's cheaper, and so that's a lot. I will say I got a little, like, when it's hot outside, I'll get real trashy, and I'll put, like, the pink wine in a big glass with ice because, nice. again, I'm, I'm trash. <laughs> but I love I love myself. I grew up in Tennessee. I have no shame. Um, uh, the other thing... Uh, I'm watch. I ha- I watched a lot of. Uh, I love sci-fi, so I wa- I rewatched all the Matrix Matrixes recently. Whoa. The Matrices. <laughs> the Matrices. I think it's the Matrices. Yeah, I watched the Matrices. <laughs> um. Uh. There's a great show. That, okay, so I know that people like have like big feelings about Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. Please, forgive me. But also, like, if we tax him the way we should, oh, let's, yep. let's start. And also, like, pass right laws now, that real. actually yes. get people the thing that they. Anyways, no. On Amazon Prime, giving like the, the rich people are getting like one point seven million dollars in stimulus money, and we're getting twelve hundred bucks. Yeah. WT <laughs> fuck. What the hell am I supposed I'm to do with like, this? You know what? This is this is why people smoke weed because the young <laughs> people are just like yeah. fucking us over. Okay. Ten For times real. over. Um. So there's this series on there. Um called carnival row on amazon prime video i've heard of this dude it's got it's got a boy orlando bloom in there and he's looking fine he's got a great haircut so like it's not like middle earth pretty boy it's like he is in the city he is gruff he is smoking like you know hand-rolled cigarettes having sex (laughs) with fairy people it's like and also like the world that they created is just phenomenal to me so i think it's excellent storytelling they really it also just like it talks about class. It talks about race. It talks wow. about war and genocide. Um, and also it's magical. So like, what more Damn. could you really want? I got to get on this. And also this. Orlando Bloom. Yes. Orlando Bloom. Oh, man. Um, and what am I smoking these days? I have been alternating between OG Kush and um, this one strain called Gelato. And mm. it's uh, Indica Hybrid, which I personally prefer. 
but can i also like whenever I'm, I'm a total like idiot i don't know anything about oh it's okay you can look it up later it doesn't okay but for the smokers <laughs> out there like you know you know they know what's up they know what's up like oh yeah um <laughs> but uh i uh it's a it's it's helpful and i also am somebody who like i got i like to get a little, little fancy so along with cannabis i'll also blend things like lavender and rose hips and um a couple other different sacred herbs oh shit because cool. she's kind of a cannabis witch sometimes like pinky up with it i like it absolutely <laughs> listen i roll fat ones what can i say <laughs> now granted like you know i have to like get those like fucking like teeth whitening things because i'm not saying that i'm smoking too much while we're on break but i am saying that i am getting through this thing completely chilled out yes. <laughs> so gibbs what you awesome. doing all right so guys what I, are you uh, okay. sipping on what are you smoking <sighs> what are you watching okay so first of all we need to all agree that this is a safe space yes. this is a safe i don't want you guys to fucking judge me i mean okay? i will i've been doing <laughs> just this don't like verbalize call, it so. <laughs> yeah never verbalize so, i'm gonna keep it all never verbalize it so guys my wife and i are watching love is blind <laughs> keep quiet don't say it F- finish I'm it not finish, say- i'm not finish. saying anything i, I haven't said anything I, I watched like, the first episode and I was like, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm like six episodes in, I'm like, they're never going to make it. It's never going to work because they haven't been transparent from get go. I'm in, guys. Yeah, I you're trapped. Been, I've, I'm trapped in trash and I can't, and it's mm-hmm. a warm blanket. You know, I uh, I don't judge you. Like, we all have our things. The bathrooms um, but <laughs> some me in hard. Oof, you guys are both sinners and need to repent. Yes. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's like I always – the biggest rule right now during COVID is do no harm. And so if, like, you are finding comfort in a shitty television show, <laughs> rock on. No judging. Because, Thank you. Because, like, I appreciate who, who gives it. a shit? Like, if just, like, if you like it, it's like, all right, like, I don't have to watch it. <laughs> that's right. So that's that. Have you watched um, Tiger King? Have people been – Yes. I, I, I haven't seen the new – I can't do it. No? I, like – it's like it, it's a train it feels wreck. too much like my family in some ways. I'm like, this is too real for me. Like, oh. I come from a family of hicks, y'all. Y'all don't even know. Yeah, it's wild. I feel like Kevin. I feel like you need to give it two episodes. It's it's a have crazy you given it a shot? Study on, Are you more like afraid to give it a on shot? just how people can, I don't know, just get power hungry and just run with that power as far as their leash will let them. It's yeah. nuts. So I mean, don't watch it if you saying, don't want look, to. This is looking at my life, is what you're saying. <laughs> Shut the front door. Oh, that's amazing. Oh uh, my other than god. That, other than that, I uh, so I've been drinking this really good beer. It's called Sour Monkey by Victory Brewing Company, which is based out of Pennsylvania. Very nice. Uh, I think I've su- had it. It's, it's very good. It's super good. I love a good sour beer, mm. and it's like ten percent. So it yes. does the job. <laughs> it does, like, a couple of those bad boys, and like I'm having a party. Yeah. And then you can watch Love uh, is Blind. And then I just watch Love is Blind. <laughs> and then uh, you wear a Snuggie. And then, you know, you go blind eventually. And then I go, <laughs> eventually. Because God is punishing you for your sins for, for watching, watching, for watching that show. trash. <laughs> but, you know, God, you know, only God can judge you, so. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, great. Um, that's it, man. I am not smoking anything. I had, like, this really bad respiratory infection. Mm. And now I am terrified of doing anything to potentially compromise my lungs. I mean, that's like, wisdom. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I mean, I'll admit, smoking anything is not great for your lungs, but also like the thing is, like, I normally do? like we would <laughs> we would do link. We do like what a cigar 
cigarettes. Who yeah, that's because that's what y'all uh y'all uh neo Calvinists they y'all love fucking. That's where that's where we got it like from. C.S. Lewis, he smoked them too. <laughs> Look it, at this pipe I bought. Yeah, we're oh gonna write your Christianity. They all yeah. had a fucking pipe. Yeah. I was at uh someone tried to get me to like sign on to Tulip when I was at like the bar doing no. like senior week in college. But like the dating app. No, oh, like tulip. you hear about the tulip dating app? No. There's a tulip dating app. Yeah, it's only for Calvinists. <laughs> I need to sign on to that. You should. I think we all should sign up. Just for as just like, uh, but like, like you can't be gay on there, right? Oh, one way Whoa. to find out. Do you know what you write? <laughs> I will report back to you. When I come back on the show, we'll come back. Report and say, back in. Hi everyone, uh, Kevin Garcia here doing some investigative reporting on the Tulip dating app because we Can want to make sure Can you be our field correspondent? Field yes. correspondent. Listen, that's amazing. It'll be it'll be on my sizzle reel that I can send to Samantha B. You know, <laughs> God, if I could work for her, how funny would that be? Amazing. But I'm also not a reporter, and I don't want to work in politics or news. <laughs> Although, like, we already are, anyways. Everything. Oh, we're in it. Everything. Everything is politics, <sighs> and everything is news. Moment, I'm in it. Uh. That's all that I have, guys. Uh, Link, is there anything? Oh, Link, do you want to talk about how people can connect with us? Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at Dirty Rotten Church Kids. We're on Twitter at Dirty Rotten CK. And we're at Gmail. You can email us stuff as well. Same thing, Dirty Rotten CK at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I, I constantly can't believe that anyone listens to this. Nevertheless, <laughs> the amount of support and um, just awesome talks we've had with people who just really love what we're doing. So thank you. Um, yeah, and Kevin. Yeah, y'all are really fun. Like, oh, thanks, man. I'm not gonna lie. Anytime I get onto a podcast call, I know it's always gonna be hit or miss. This one was a home run. Like, oh, thank you. But we love you and we appreciate you. For I your love time you and I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to episode 14 of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids podcast. Keep up the dirty work, and remember. It's, it's all, all going to be okay. okay. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> A huge, majestic thank you to our amazing guest, Kevin Garcia. Hope you all enjoy getting to know this beautiful soul and definitely give them a follow on all their socials. Also, keep sending us ideas for episodes and guests you'd like us to have on by hitting us up on Instagram. Stay safe and stay home. I am fast. To give you a reference point I am somewhere between a snake and a mongoose, and a panther.